Hello. Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Frances Harry, your host. I was encouraged by some of my fellow Carmelite members to do a series on the most famous interior castle of St. Teresa of Avila. So today I would like to do an introduction and provide a framework which I find to be very helpful to remember each of the mansions or dwelling places of the interior castle. But first, I would like to begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come by way of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your dearly beloved spouse. Enlighten our minds. Enkindle our hearts. Help us to know and do your will. St. Teresa of Jesus, you were a daughter of the church, a humble servant of God, a reformer, a mystic, and a great beacon of light for all. Please pray for us as we prayerfully reflect upon the lessons you have taught. Through your intercession, may we discover the presence of God who dwells within us, journeying ever deeper to the center of our souls, where the great King resides. St. Teresa of Jesus, pray for us. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I've got the part of the prayer that started with St. Teresa of Jesus. You were a daughter of the church. That prayer came from a book called The Interior Journey Toward God by John Paul Thomas. And he really breaks down um, a lot of lessons from the interior castle. And he also has a lot of wonderful prayers. So I highly suggest this book. Just when you think nobody can write anything new on the interior castle, someone comes along and has a new perspective. It's like a mine. There's always more, more to find, more riches. And thank you, God, for giving us that. It's time to walk. That was the Congress theme for 2018 for the Secular Order of Discalced Carmelites in Dayton, Ohio. And we walk with St. Teresa, who actually walked more than 6,000 kilometers on the roads in 16th century Spain. But more importantly, it's a spiritual walk with this great doctor of prayer, from whom we can learn a great deal. She's going to lead us on this journey to the center of our soul, with the roadmap given to us in her masterpiece, the book, Interior Castle. She described a vision where she considered the soul, quote, to be like a castle made entirely out of a diamond or of a very clear crystal in which there are many rooms, just as in heaven there are many dwelling places, end of quote. So in this castle, Teresa tells us there are seven mansions or dwelling places which represent the entire process of sanctification toward union with God, beginning with the ascetical, what, what we do primarily, and then leading to the mystical, where God does the primary action and we cooperate. So one may visualize this castle as a circle with seven concentric bands, sort of, you know, like a bullseye. The outer circle being the first mansion or dwelling place and the darkest of all of them. And it would probably have the most rooms above and below and to the sides, sort of like a, a 
a jigsaw puzzle. And then you have the innermost circle where the fewest number of people reach, the seventh dwelling place, where God dwells. And it is with the brightest light because God is light. The door to the castle is prayer. But it's also the way that one progresses through each of the mansions. The whole journey consists of the soul traveling from the external, egocentric, narcissistic self to the internal, self-sacrificial, Christocentric self transformed in God. Now, there are four weight-bearing beams in this castle. The first one being that, number one, God is present in the soul. The centermost part of the soul is his dwelling place. Now, when is the last time you thought of God dwelling within you? I hope it was just a few minutes ago. At any rate, many people fail to remember that God dwells within and he is in the center of our soul. So we need to remember that. That's very important. The second weight-bearing beam is that the soul is the continual recipient of divine graces. God is always giving to us, calling us. Now, how we respond is a really big deal. The third weight-bearing beam is that God is helping us to conquer our sin. We have a champion, but we need to go to God for help. And the fourth main weight-bearing beam is that we communicate God directly through prayer. Now, that prayer may be simple conversation. It may be contemplation. It may be imagery. It may be all kinds of prayer. But prayer is the door to the castle and how we progress. Father Alzenor Francisco de Bastiani, who is a discalced Carmelite friar, was the general delegate of the OCDS at the time of the Congress in 2018. And he gave a presentation at that Congress entitled, It's Time to Walk, Where and How. In it, he pointed out some of St. Teresa's recommendations before starting out on this road, this journey to the center of our soul using this roadmap of the interior castle. He suggested from her recommendations, number one, consider what we should do before setting out on the road. For example, be resolute, go forward without becoming weary so as to overcome any obstacles we meet. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, always. Be resolved to surrender ourselves to God and to do his will and to live in truth and humility. So critical. The second recommendation is look where she wants to lead us, okay, to guide us to live a profound experience of friendship with God. So where does she want to lead us? Back to God, to the center of our soul where he reigns, to be in union with him. The third recommendation was Learn how to walk on this road. Now, how would we do that? Well, he offered a quote from Teresa from her way of perfection, where she says, quote, I desire to suffer, Lord, all the trials that come to me and esteem them as a great good, enabling me to imitate you in something. Let us walk together, Lord. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you suffer, I will suffer. End of quote. 
that really sets the tone for how to walk on this road, right? And we walk on this road by praying, pray, and look at the life of Jesus as being our best model, our best pattern. We need to remain anchored in God's faithful love and live with joy and a, and a sense of humor. Don't take ourselves so seriously. Be bold, passionate, and courageous. St. Teresa often reminded us how much courage is needed on this journey. And then we need to walk together in community with mutual love and help with each other. We help them. They help us. We go together. God likes us when we're helping each other, right? And dedicate yourself to prayer and adoration, to live prayer and practice the presence of God in all circumstances. A fourth recommendation is to identify and overcome obstacles found along the way. And for this, we need to put on the armor of God to exercise vigilance and discernment. And Teresa will point out many obstacles for us. And so it's important for us to have a familiarity with the ob obstacles that may come across our journey. And finally, keep on walking with our eyes fixed on Jesus. We repeat that because it is so important. St. Teresa said, and this is from her uh, letters, number 13, have great confidence. For it is necessary not to hold back one's desires, but to believe in God that if we try, we shall, little by little, even though it may not be soon, reach the state the saints did with his help. For if they had never determined to desire and seek this state, little by little, in practice, they would never have mounted so high. His majesty wants this determination, and he is a friend of courageous souls, if they walk in humility and without trusting in self. I have not seen any cowardly soul or any of these who, under the pretext of humility, remain along the bottom of this path. You do not take many years to advance as far as these courageous ones do in just a few. I marvel at how important it is to be courageous in striving for great things along this path. For though the soul is not yet strong enough, it nonetheless takes flight and goes very high, although, like a little fledging, it soon tires and stops. End of quote. St. John Paul II, in his homily in Avila, on the occasion of the fourth centenary of the death of St. Teresa of Avila, said this, quote, Teresa of Jesus, who knew very well the difficulties which are found on the way, invites us to walk with God in our hearts. To guide our route and reinforce our hope, she transmits us a task which was the secret of her life and mission. Keep our eyes fixed upon Christ, our only good. So re repeat it now a third time. Keep your eyes on Christ. So now let's turn to St. Teresa's analogy of the castle. And I am pulling from the study guide um, from the ICS publications of the interior castle. It has a wonderful glossary at the back. And so I looked up castle just to see how they defined it. And this is what it said. The interior castle is the image most developed by Teresa. It forms the basis of all her teaching in this book. She uses it to picture the entire spiritual process. 
serving as a means of explaining the structure of human persons, body, soul, and spirit, and their relationship with God, who is both transcendent and immanent. It serves as well to comment on the biblical text of the indwelling of God in the soul, John 14, verse 23. Standing for the soul, or for the human person, the castle is separated from the world by a ditch and wall around it, with a vast interior and a vocation to transcendence because of its being ultimately a dwelling place for God. End of quote. So we have in our minds now this image of the castle. It's made of a diamond or like a crystal globe. Teresa also said that. Concentric rooms again above, below, and to the side, and I mentioned before, like a puzzle ball, and what this whole is like in the state of mortal sin, where light is the darkness, is one that is covered with, you know, like coal or tire, and it covers the um, soul with an unbearable stench even and and it makes it dark because of this covering of sin and you might think of the example of uh, a diamond covered by a very black cloth the light doesn't get through or Teresa also mentioned it could be like a brightly polished mirror clouded with mist leaving it black and that was from the book of her life She's good at giving us some good uh, word pictures, things to put in our mind to help us identify what she's trying to teach us. So now I ask this question, why should we read and study this book when we might not experience these things? Well, in the general introduction of the study guide, we have several reasons why. First, learning about God's work will lead a receptive person to the prayer of praise. And praising God is a wonderful thing to do. Second, these favors superabound with love and fortitude, enabling a person to do more good and to journey with less toil. It's always good to find an easier way, right, to get the job done. <laughs> Third, knowledge of these favors will make the readers aware of how much they may lose through their own fault. See, if you're not aware of your soul and you're not aware of this journey, you're not aware of the graces and blessings and the obstacles, how can you traverse this journey? You know, when we go on a long trip, we like to use a map or, well, nowadays a GPS to help guide us. And we can pull up on there where to stop for gas, where to get food, where we want to have some recreation. Well, apply that to your soul. This is important. And it's life or death, heaven or hell, right? Fourth, the testimony Teresa gives of her contemplative experience, because she's speaking about her own experiences, as well as many that she guided, in which so many aspects of the Christian faith are illumined, provides not only us, but the theologian with a rich abundance of material for reflection. You know, we really get an insight into how God works with a soul through this work as well. And isn't that interesting, how God works with a soul? Then you can start thinking, well, how is God working in my soul? 
So in each dwelling place, each of the mansions, we need to take note of several things. We want to know what the temptations or challenges are, the dangers and obstacles. And Teresa is very good at pointing those out. We need to look at what are the weapons at our disposal. You know, get our battle plan ready. You know, figure out our our path on this journey. Then we need to think about what's most needed as far as counsels to go forward. What what virtue maybe is most needed? Courage, humility, determination, honesty. We need to think about the graces and favors that are given by God. Perhaps we will miss one and be um, not giving God the thanks that he deserves. Of course, we need to be thankful for all these graces and favors. And sometimes we want to take credit for them ourselves. But no, they come from God. And we need to recognize that. Because when we're thankful to God, then, you know, he's probably going to be more generous with us. You know, grateful souls um, are a wonderful thing. We also need to think about the prayer type in each of the mansions. The frequency of prayer. Now, you can imagine in the outer mansions that prayer is not as frequent. It's not as deep or sincere. And in the center, of course, it's uh, living living in the presence of God in a deep, uh, trusting relationship. And so the kind of prayer and the frequency in prayer are important at each mansion. We also need to think about uh, how to discern. Uh, and Teresa gives us a, a lot to consider as we discern, is this from God? Is this from the world? Is this from myself? Is this from the devil? Um, and the more we know ourselves and we have some instruction here and formation on how to discern, the better we will be at traversing this journey. We also need to know what will get us moving, what will help us to grow. And then, then we will find all these metaphors and images used by Teresa to instruct us. And they're very helpful in remembering um, pivot points, high points on this journey. And then she will use scripture passages. How wonderful that our saints and Carmel often refer to scripture. Now, one of the great ways to remember what is entailed in each dwelling place is to apply the Our Father prayer to each of the mansions. And it also takes you into a deeper level of the prayer. Now, I learned this from an article that I found online many years ago by Tom Richard, where he was uh, comparing different phrases of the Our Father to the interior castle mansions. And I I thought it was just so rich. And for me, it helped me remember each of the mansions so much more clearly. So I wanted to share that with you. Again, it's from an article found online by Tom Richard. Now, since then, he's also written a book called The Interior Liturgy of the Our Father which goes much further than what I'm going to be sharing with you. But um, I really loved how he put the mansions with the Our Father prayer. So I'm going to share with you just a little summary, just really brief. And I encourage you to seek out that book or that article by Tom Richard. 
So in the Our Father prayer, which is such a perfect prayer, you know, Jesus taught that prayer to us. We start with the first petition, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That represents the seventh mansion, or we attribute the seventh mansion to that part of the prayer. And the type of prayer is, of course, spiritual marriage. This is our destination on the journey, this intimacy, oneness, unity with the Trinity. It's a love communion. It's a consummation. So when we start the Our Father prayer, we start in the very center of our soul, the seventh mansion, with the Lord. Then we go to thy kingdom come. And we associate this with the sixth mansion, which is the betrothal or the fiat of Mary. The In this one, a person experiences profound suffering and joy in Christ, which results in increased detachment, self-forgetfulness. And they are determined to do God's will in all things. And only God can console and satisfy the soul in this state. Teresa writes the most chapters on this mansion, the sixth mansion, thy kingdom come. So she really explores this kingdom. The next petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Associate this with the fifth mansion, which is simple union. When you want to do God's will, when you are doing God's will, you're united with him. So this union and the prayer in the fifth mansion is union. Urgent need to practice resignation to God's will in this new union is important. This soul practices love of God and neighbor. That's how we get God's kingdom on earth, is the charity for each other. This soul desires to praise God, suffer great trials, do great penances, be in solitude, wants all to know God, has great pain in seeing God offended. So that's fifth mention. Fifth mansion, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we go to the next petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And when I pray that one, I always think of a spiritual communion. So, you know, think of Jesus coming into your heart and soul right now in a spiritual communion. Give us this day our daily bread. So we associate that with the fourth dwelling place, the fourth mansion. And the prayer in this mansion is spiritual delight or infused recollection or the prayer of quiet. And Teresa will talk about all of those. And as we go through the mansions, we'll discuss each of these prayer types. In this fourth mansion is the first taste of mystical prayer, where it is not ordinary prayer, but mystical as in supernatural, um, but not necessarily extraordinary, right? Um, there's extraordinary supernatural, and then there is the natural progression of mystical, where God is more active in the soul. So souls here are in urgent need of spiritual sustenance, the Eucharist. So as a soul is journeying closer to the interior of the castle, they hunger. They want to feast at the Lord's table. So this yearning to go to Mass. Um, a lot of people become frequent um, daily mass goers at this point in time. 
And then the next petition, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we associate this with the third, third mansion or dwelling place. And the prayer type here is the active recollection or meditation. People here long to not offend our Lord, but do not have enough right humility. Oh, that's something we can always grow in, right? They may have excessive self-confidence here, so they need to learn to depend on God more. And they need to generously forgive others and humbly admit their own faults. And they need to plead for mercy with the need for justice. Now we go to the next petition and lead us not into temptation. So we associate this with the second mansion, which is the prayer type discursive meditation. A soul here has a special and urgent need for protection against the subtleties of temptation. They're in grave danger and near occasions of sin. They must have our Lord's help and mercy. Perseverance is most necessary. Person in second mansion is really fighting a battle because they're trying to move forward. And yet the evil one's like, oh, I got to really attack them now because I don't want them to go forward. So um, the world's calling them back. The demon's tempting them. And yet there's something in there. God, of course, calling them forward. So it's a real battle. And so this is so important. Lead us not into temptation. And the final petition, but deliver us from evil. So we associate that with the first mansion or simple vocal prayers. The soul in this stage is especially vulnerable and weak. And souls here have a unique and urgent need for deliverance and intercession of our Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints. If we are not delivered from evil, how can we go forward? We might, we've got to do our part. We have to make an attempt. The Lord will help us. And then we end the prayer with amen, the beginning of the journey to God, which means I believe. So to exercise faith. Faith is so important to start this journey and to propel us through this journey. So as you pray the Our Father prayer, just go through it very slowly. And you can think of each of the mansions related to those parts of the prayer. And then you'll never forget them. You start praying that way. And it's a great way to um, go through all the mansions and understand this path. And then you'll start seeing yourself centering in on a certain part of it. And then, you know, hopefully you are progressing as well. God's grace is emanating from the center of the soul, the seventh dwelling place. It's going outward toward the outermost bounds of the mansion, enabling and drawing souls into his life. And souls respond favorably in prayer, traveling more interiorly toward God. And of course, God is stooping down to carry us up to him as well. It's like that divine elevator that St. Therese talks about, Jesus' arms stooping down to lift us up these divine um elevator um and you can apply that to the mansions too because we're we're going upward as in we're progressing and getting closer to union with god a transforming union so um 
this is the challenge here is, you know, ponder the beauty of your own soul. What has your journey been like thus far? And what gifts do you see? What failings or temptations? What battle plans do you have? What's worked for you? How is God calling you to come closer to your deepest center where he reigns, where he dwells? And what is my prayer like today? How would you describe your times of prayer, your frequency of prayer, your intensity of prayer? Maybe it's a dry prayer, but that doesn't mean it's not good prayer. Dry prayer can be a real good exercise of strengthening faith. And it can also be a result of sin. So we need to discern, right? We need to look ourselves in truth and humility and ask for the light of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And of course, always asking Teresa to intercede for us and help us to walk. It is time to walk, friends. It's time to walk and journey to the center of the soul, to be with God who is calling us. We can live heaven on earth. When we get to the seventh mansion, that is heaven on earth. So let us begin if we haven't already. And if we are on the journey already, let us walk forward in confidence, in trust, and in humility. Let us close now with a prayer. And again, I took this prayer from a book called The Interior Journey Toward God. and. It's a beautiful prayer, and I hope that it will help you um, to think about what we've spoken about today and to ponder where you are and to know that God loves you so deeply that he's provided this path, this journey, and Teresa's laid it out in these interior castle and these dwelling places to help us. So let us get recollected. Let's turn to God within and sign ourselves in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Most glorious King, you made me in your divine image and desire that my soul shine brightly like a diamond, gleaming in the bright sun which radiates from within. Grant me the grace to look inwardly and to see you dwelling within. Help me as I begin this journey to look beyond my sin so that I may see myself as you created me. As I do, help me to also see the sin that darkens the brightness of this castle of my soul. In dwelling of the most holy trinity, I love you. I trust you. I surrender my life to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining me on this introduction to the interior castle, St. Teresa of Avila. I know there's so much more that we could have talked about, um, but there are a lot of people with a lot of recordings out there. I hope that I've given you something new to consider today that will help you on this journey, this journey to be um, in this transforming union with God. And if we don't begin, we won't get there. So let us begin. Let us walk. And St. Teresa will help us. Thank you. God bless you.